Hello and welcome to the Arts Report, the only art show in Vancouver with a heavy metal intro. <laughs> it's August 29th. No, it's not. It's September 5th and you're listening to the Arts Report in studio today. The infamous Shirley Gnome, who is now super rich due to comedy and so can you be. Uh, we also have Emma Hendricks talking about tap and I talk to Spectral Theater and Out on a Limb done by... The only animal this weekend. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Megan, and you're listening to the Arts Report on September 5th. As we've established, you can find us on citr.ca or 101.9. And in studio today, a little bit of this lady. Let's listen to a little bit of her music before we get started. It is very serious stuff so pay attention we've been friends for oh so long we're so close and it's real nice but people say that there's something there Spark between us trying to start a flame I'm telling you there's no fire Cause I go to bed feeling moist and wet How could a fire ever start In such an inhospitable environment Just because you're a man that turns me on Doesn't mean I need you yeah, You're a man who stares at me right at my ass Good friend would you send me messages late Shirley Gnome is a comedian extraordinaire who has just won Patrick Malia's People's Championship $20,000 richer and uh, because of her sweet comedy stylings and uh, she's actually pretty new to the biz and so I thought that I would have her here today to explain herself <laughs> I don't need to explain myself to anyone. <laughs> I have twenty thousand dollars, though. <laughs> Screw you, Shirley. Uh, what is your deal? What is my deal? Um, mm. you. We were talking earlier, and you were saying that you, you know, you've been doing this um, not for too long now, but that it, you know, you were kind of well received. Can you tell us a bit, a little bit about your humble beginnings before you ruled the East Man with an iron? <laughs> fist of money <laughs> it's true i'm probably the richest person in east van now that's a musician um i started uh my friend katie was running a burlesque show um as a fundraiser and she asked me to come and play my one song that i had at the time i only had one i just wrote it because it popped into my head and made my friends laugh and uh she loved it so i went and i put on a wig and i sang it and people went crazy town banana pants so the next year I thought, well, you know, I've got a couple more ideas and I ended up writing a whole album that year and then recording it and uh, doing the fundraiser again with the burlesque community and it was a really well received and I started selling CDs, which was exciting because I drink a lot. And um, So you had a fun that habit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's all musicians, I think. Uh, yes. That's pretty much, I think, the reason that people make music is just because they're all alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Like me. 
So, uh, yeah, it took off, and then the burlesque community really embraced me, and I started doing those shows. And, uh, and then uh, in November of last year, uh, a friend of mine was working at Hyde Restaurant on Main and 14th, and he said he would give me free bourbon if I came and did one of the comedy nights they had there. <laughs> so everything really does go back to alcohol, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes back to bourbon. Um, so as people were listening to your Sweet Country Styles, uh, this song about Just Friends, for example, mm-hmm. it's a bit of a dirty tune, uh, which I really enjoy. Um, tell me how you got into the whole People's Championship. What was the process there? Well, kind of, I had two paths to it I uh, at first I was asked by one of the organizers to enter the contest um, which was a big compliment so I did and I entered it and then at the same time I was in a variety show that Patrick Malihaus the same person who runs the People's Champ uh, was doing at the Rio and uh, first and second place prizes were entrants into this competition so I got second place that night and automatically got into the contest and so I was like well this will be a good chance for exposure. Lots of shows. Let's, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. Sure did. And you were saying, um, I was just reading something you posted on uh, Facebook. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. And uh, It's probably stupid. You know, you were talking about you know the, the really great talent that you were up against. Oh, yeah. and so how does it feel now that you've crushed them? <laughs> <laughs> it feels so good to feel those pros smushed beneath my cowboy boots. No, but obviously it's a it's a it's a people's popularity. So part of it is obviously talent. I mean, yes. people tend to know talent, uh, yes. hopefully, but. You know, it's also about the connection with the audience, and, yes. and what do you what do you think people really connected with you? Um, I think with me, I had a couple things that worked in my favor. I don't necessarily think I was funnier than anybody, or, or less funny, or more funny. I had a particular thing that was different in that I was a musical act. Um, the fact that I'm a girl, it makes me stick out as well. Um, there's definitely a lot of men in the competition, so that worked in my favor, um, and. Uh, I think a lot of the songs that I write are about people's experiences and and put to humor, and I think that really appeals to a lot of people, particularly women, I think. I was getting voted up a lot by uh, the Chicky Poos in the crowd. Yeah, even the the songs that I've heard, I mean, they're all funny and dirty, but at the same time, there's lots of things about life that are funny and dirty. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I like a lot of alternative comedy. I like storytelling style comedy. And it seems that if you are telling a story that people can relate to and you shed some sort of new angle on it, Mm. like people don't want to just hear about buying milk no. per se, mm-hmm. buying it in a dirty way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just saying that like, y- you obviously are, are coming at it from something new and people are like, oh yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, honestly, I, I, I feel like I just write honestly, like just from my experience and not just mine from like you sit around with a bunch of girls and you drink wine and you start sharing embarrassing stories and you go, oh, I didn't know that other people did that or thought that. And I basically call everything from that. Not everything. Sometimes I just come up with stupid ideas. Like Sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, hey, penis rhymes with between us. I got to write a song. So it's not always that, but it is all about me and my girlfriends all sitting together and connecting on our embarrassing stories. That's awesome. Yeah. Um... What, now, what is? I mean, that's a lot of money for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not. It wasn't just the winner that won, but you know, lots of people had cash prizes, and yes. everyone wins because they get this exposure, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how is this going to kind of change if it's going to change um, what you what you do? What opportunities is going to lend you besides just the exposure? 
Um, I think one of the things that's held me back doing this is a day job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do. I have loved my job, but I, um, you know, I, to fully dedicate all the time it takes to getting something off the ground like this, um, the fact that now I can take a portion of the money and just put it aside for living expenses and just gig and just focus on, you know, finishing this album and all of the stuff that I've got. That's going to be huge for getting this off. I'm giving myself like six months of just getting to do this, and then I can see what more opportunities I can get out of what's happened now. So you're not going to like buy a Honda or like uh, some sort of uh, like 1999 Volkswagen or something like that? No. I might. I, think I like how for me, 1999 19, Volkswagen sounds so fancy. <laughs> I guess I should have said 2009. <laughs> um, so I don't have any money either. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> I know. I was talking to somebody. I was talking to Patrick on the podcast that they do. And I was like, he's like, what are you going to do with the money? I'm like, well, I'm going to put in one of those accounts with the no, int- not the no, uh, not the, uh, and I'm like, I, I have no idea what the hell to do with <laughs> banking. Like I've never had enough money to make anything more than a savings account. So are you, see, I guess the answer I was kind of expecting and hoping for was, you know, one, two dollar, five dollar bills, five dollar bills and loonies and just roll around in it. I thought about that. Yeah. I thought about that, but I will lose some of it and I need all of it. <laughs> like, it's not that much money. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Tell us about some of the, the gigs that you have coming up and things that people can look mm. at. Um, I have a gig tonight. I'm just doing a, a little showcase at the Comedy Mix, which is downtown somewhere. Uh, and then uh, Thursday, I'm headlining Mavericks, which has a comedy night that's uh, attached to the Biltmore. Then on Friday night, I'm doing a music show, which is great because I get to do a big long set um, with uh, another dirty country act that made the finals of the People's Champ called Bad Askatoon. People love the dirty country. They do. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, uh, I encourage people to check her out. You can also check her out uh, at ShirleyGnome.com. Yep. my website's very high tech, so don't yes, get alarmed. Is. Yeah, it's I. It was it was pretty intimidating, but I got through it. Um, and then you can also follow her on Twitter at twitter.com slash Shirley Gnome, all one word. Yup. And uh, also check out the People's Championship at twitter.com slash People's Champ Van, and also on Facebook. They're both on Facebook because um, hopefully next year. And if you're a comedian and you uh, want to get some scratch and you want to meet a whole bunch of other comedians from Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Yep, it does. It does seem like that, doesn't it? It does seem like that. She's giving me a very ominous look. Goodness. Okay, well, um, Shirley, thank you so much for joining us, coming all the way out to beautiful UBC. Well, you visited co-op first and then... Whoopsie daisy. (laughs) I have the learning disabilities. I didn't know which place to go to. They all look the same. Yeah, all radio stations look pretty much the same. We're going to leave you with a little bit more from the track we were listening to earlier, Just Friends. You can find that on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, or if you're looking for a place that exists, SoundCloud.com. SoundCloud is amazing, though. It's this website where it's just somebody hitting Claude, you know? That poor Claude. I know. God. Um, And that is uh, SoundCloud.com slash Shirley Gnome. Just friends. Sometimes in a sexual way oh, We go out and you get hit on But I'm not jealous I just like punching people in the face Ooh, I'm not afraid, no Ooh, I just like to get laid No matter how it starts or ends I love you, baby, but a witch, oh.
best friends. We pulled our money, bought a house together, sleep in the same room. It's more economical. Twin beds, will they cost too much? Your mom bought us a king size, plenty of room for friends. Sharing, I'm not in denial. I know that I'm pregnant. Could you please stop pointing? Two friends, they can have kids. It doesn't have to be your will. Oh, oh, oh. We may have let this penis come between us. To be specific, we let it come inside my giant baby, making a uterus. Accidental pregnancy is totally gay, and I won't say what I just can't say. I'm not afraid. I just like to get laid, and no matter how starts or ends, I love you, baby, but we're just. And that was Shirley Gnome, Just Friends. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to learn a little bit about Out on a Limb, the show that's happening this weekend with The Only Animal. And we'll speak to new arts contributor Emma Hendricks, 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 about tap, 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 tap. Stay tuned. This year on This Fringy Life, life at the Vancouver International Fringe Festival is spacey, lonely, sexy, untruthful, mind bending, and over the edge. Each week on August 22nd, August 29th, and September 5th, We choose two themes and bring you stories on those themes. Tune in on Wednesdays at 6.30 after the Arts Report for This Fringy Life. Brought to you by the Arts Report and distributed by CITR 101.9 Vancouver. Download the podcasts at www.citr.ca. Hi, this is Mikhail Tank. Check out my new show, The Power of Rejection, at the Vancouver Fringe Festival this coming September. For more information, go to vancouverfringe.com and mikhailtank.com. And welcome back to the Arts Report. Now, out on a limb, what does that say to you? Well... For the only animal, going out on a limb is an exercise in trying something new with digital storytelling. In fact, when I spoke to Eric Reese Miller, who is the artistic producer of The Only Animal, they were just testing, I believe, for like the second time, (laughs) the system. Out in Strathcona Park this weekend... By donation and following on the heels of Sea of Sand, which is a radio memory mystery at Spanish Banks, the only animal is presenting a multimedia video installation projected on the trees of the park. 
It's a project that has been in development for over 12 weeks now. 50 individuals of all ages from all types of walks of life in Vancouver collaborate with six artists to tell their stories of growing up and coming of age. And these stories uh, are brought together in one video piece that will be projected in Strathcona Park. The only animal, if you look them up, you follow them on Twitter.com, uh, OnlyAnimal or TheOnlyAnimal.com, they are on-site gurus, site-specific gurus. They follow uh, a couple of mandates, which we'll actually discuss in the interview, about what uh, Eric calls available light or um, basically coming to a site and working with the site and what the site has to offer in order to tell a story. Uh, they have won, uh, been nominated for over 27 Jesse Richardson Awards, the Jessies, and have won seven, including Best Production for the one that got away and Significant Artistic Achievement for Other Freds. And Other Freds was actually their first production in 2005. Lately in the 2012 season, they have done uh, a workshop of Nothing But Sky, which is Kendra Faconi, the artistic director's new play about the person who first drew Superman. They're also mentoring 14 new site-specific theater pieces throughout the Fringe. Uh, they have a youth artists summer camp that they were doing, that Eric was doing this summer, and they're doing a, a retreat center. So many projects, but they're ultimately all connected by the idea of the site. So Eric is the uh, artistic producer, with Kendra Faconi is the artistic director, and they are partners, partners in business and in life. And so Eric um, spoke with me in Strathcona Park as the sunset. It was beautiful. And you could imagine what an interesting night it will be. We started by talking about the only animal as a group and some previous shows uh, like the award-winning Other Freds and Seasand. Um, the only animal, you know, they see a beach, a park, maybe even someday a mountain as an opportunity to tell a story. But the first thing I wanted to know was what it was like to be interested in working with sites in terms of space and limitation. constructs of space and time and, and kind of providing your own limits or your own spaces. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's partly born out of necessity and partly out of creative interest, I think. Uh, there's a dearth of spaces for companies to perform and when you're starting out and uh, don't have a lot of money, many people start by staging shows wherever they can find a, a place to do it. Um, but Kendra, in particular, has been working for a long time uh, this way, and we ended up, I ended up really catching the bug from her in terms of how much fun it is to go to, whether it's a beach or um, a snowy field or um, the park, and be inspired by, by what's there and the challenges that are there and trying to meet them and seeing what stories are emerging and what... Um, themes are emerging, what materials are there to work with. So it, if you've heard of available light, it's a, it's a philosophy where you work with what is given. Um, and we 
We add some things to the site. Uh, I mean, Nick's The Theater of Snow and Ice was constructed out of snow and ice, so we went and took the material of snow and ice and we created a world. Um, a show like Sea of Sand was more, we're on a beach, what kind of story might happen on this beach, what kind of things might come out of that water. Hey, everyone. You know, that was a little quiet, wasn't it? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to boost that volume for you. And while we wait for the conclusion of the interview, I thought I would um, play for you something I was going to play a little bit later, which were some excerpts from stories that um, inspired Out on a Limb and as a production and were part of the workshops um, that you know will be the basis of the event that you may see this weekend. So you can just find this on YouTube, just out on a limb workshop excerpts at 2012, because there's just some beautiful faces and storytellings associated with it. But for now, why don't you go ahead and uh, listen to this excerpts and we will come back with a much louder, more accessible interview. Please enjoy. My grandmother liked to play her with the, I think it's a baby kings. And I was a child, that one, and my grandmother said, someday you're learning how to play that song and playing for me. And uh, I did. So that's why I'm playing today. Okay. I was confused at first. I suspected I was pregnant, but I already was engaged to be married to my husband. But then came a moment of grace when I realized that I did want to just be there. I met a boy, dropped out of art school, and had to flee from my mother's wrath. My grandson, her son, was just nearly one years old and he had been diagnosed with a situation where he has no white blood cells, so it means that he has to live in a protected environment. Then the gunshots started in the smoke. I can't see the tower, the tower can't see me. I'm saying, well, yeah, I'm gonna get shot right here. Uh, I'm not gonna make it out, I only got two months left. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I'll never get to kiss another girl. I, 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 I always kept it to myself on the fourth pillar of pro, but now I'm out here. Letting it all hang on. Stand by me.
Thank you so much for your patience. And what we're going to do is we are going to listen uh, to a hopefully much louder and more accessible version of that interview. College Radio. Very interested in using and working within constructs of space and time and, and kind of providing your own limits or your own spaces. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's partly born out of necessity and partly out of creative interest, I think. Uh, there's a dearth of spaces for companies to perform, and when you're starting out and uh, don't have a lot of money, many people start by staging shows wherever they can find a, a place to do it. Um, but Kendra, in particular, has been working for a long time uh, this way, and we ended up I ended up really catching the bug from her in terms of how much fun it is to go to, whether it's a beach or um, a snowy field or um, the park, and be inspired by by what's there and the challenges that are there and trying to meet them and seeing what stories are emerging and what um, themes are emerging, what materials are there to work with. So it, if you've heard of Available Light, it's a it's a philosophy where you work with what is given, um, and we we add some things to the site. Uh, I mean, Nick's the theater of snow and ice was constructed out of snow and ice, so we went and took the material of snow and ice and we created a world. Um, a show like Sea of Sand was more we're on a beach. What kind of story might happen on this beach? What kind of things might come out of that water? What kind of actions might might happen here? Um, now let's talk a little bit about Out on a Limb, which is happening in Strathcona Park from the 6th to the 8th. And, you know, it seems like it's it's a different type of theater-going experience and different type of storytelling experience. Yeah, this one's uh, it's tricky to define. It's as far as we've ever gone from a traditional show construct I, people keep asking what's the show like and i say it's not a show this is really a, an event mm-hmm. that's the culmination of 12 weeks of storytelling workshops that we did down at woodward's hosted by phs community services um, and many of the storytellers are residents of phs in the downtown east side not all uh, we were interested in taking stories collecting stories about growing up and growing older and then projecting them on trees um, to see how the interspecies collaboration would would come out, and just what would happen if we if we took those faces and made them really large, and if we heard the stories in that context. So it was actually quite a big gamble because we didn't know until a couple nights ago, really, until last night, what it would start to what would start to emerge between those two things of st- stories and images of people very simple faces simple animations um life stories uh you know like 75 feet tall there are songs and there are sounds and there are animations that that help tell the story the focus still very much on the on the face and the voice of the storyteller we're trying to keep the integrity and honor what they gave us because they were really beautiful gifts um but with some editing and some digital magic um and the the work of keith murray the video artist um and his amazing assistant danielle uh they've they've created some really lovely effects 
Um, what is it about, you know, individuals telling stories that moves you when it comes to uh, turning that in, into more of an event? What is it about that that you want to share with, with people? There are other storytelling circles and there are um, lots of great places to go hear and tell stories in the city. It's, it's really, I think, having a resurgence. Um, and that's, that's fairly new to me to, to even be aware of and taking part in it. I think our interest was, a, was in how we might um, do two things, at least two things. And one was to encourage people to tell stories around a certain theme, um, the, the growth theme, the growing up, the transformative moment that shifted somebody's life into another phase. And so we could kind of organize the stories around a theme. And then to um, transpose those stories into a totally different context. Were there any stories that uh, surprised or stood out for you? One story about a boy who at eight years old decided to um, put in uh, noise-canceling earplugs so he could see what his friend was experiencing as a deaf boy. And, and for a few months, he went around deaf just to live that. And that, that was extraordinary to hear about. Um, there is a, a story about a man in coming out of solitary confinement um, into the yard of, of a prison and having a real moment of, of well, a whole series of moments of grace, release, despair and some kind of epiphany uh that's one of my favorite stories of all i won't say anything more because i think it's just gorgeous uh there's a story about a woman who was a secret piano player and had never played for anyone else and christmas carolers came to her building and suddenly she was in the company of um um, of celebration and uh, and and welcomed into a, a a new community in a way that she she had never imagined and found herself doing something she'd never imagined, playing piano. So uh, I've probably given away too much already. Do you have a like a mantra or a uh, motto, something that you guys keep in mind in in your heart when you're approaching a site? hang on tightly let go lightly so you plan like crazy and then you flexicute <laughs> <laughs> to be able to uh, allow for and include what is actually happening even as you transport people to to somewhere else it's really the interplay between the the fictional world you create and the real world that exists that is the fun of it i think one of my most favorite new words is flexicute because that's what we do here on the earth report interviews too quiet listen to some sweet guitar while i fix it that's flexicution you guys um anyway i really uh, thank you so much to eric for for speaking with me at strathcona park it looks like a really interesting project um i really love projects with collaboration and interesting sites that are really trying something new or at least different and uh Please do check them out September 6th to 8th by donation at Strathcona Park, which is at Malkin and Hawks Avenue, a lovely area of East Van, just a lovely kind of family-friendly area. And look for the lit-up welcome tent. 
Arrivals are welcome after 7.30 and projections start after dusk. He suggests you bring warm clothes and a blanket or chair and extra socks. Because it does get a little dewy and cool. It is September. The theme of growth will be discussed. Makes sense in terms of uh, the park and the trees and all the beautiful wildlife. Um, So uh, please do check that out. You can learn more about The Only Animal at theonlyanimal.com. Follow them on Twitter at twitter.com slash onlyanimal. And they will be mentoring the fringe on site uh shows this year so you know you'll get a little only animal with every one of them uh the other thing that he wanted to mention was to talk to your neighbors all right um now we have contributor to the arts report emma hendrix is here And she is going to be telling you uh, a little bit about the Vancouver International Tap Dance Festival. You can learn more about that at vantapdance.com. And it ran from August 31st to September 1st. Uh, And uh, Emma, she was lucky enough to go to the opening. And she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, the opening and about uh, what she learned there. Emma, take it away. Hi. Uh, This year, uh, the Vancouver International Tap Festival opened with Souls of Our Feet, which is a traveling production hosted by Tapestry Dance Company, and they're from Austin, Texas. And I interviewed, after the show, which was exciting, Asia Gray, who's the director of the company and the director of the show, and this is what she had to say. It was a project by the American, uh, National Endowment for the Arts that is, uh, it was a limited program that truly was celebrating the masterpieces of American culture. Cool. And when I put the show together, I put it, you know, That's for funny in that. Yeah. And you can see it's a... Cool. Um, when did you start dancing? Um, I didn't start dancing until I was an adult. I actually nice. started as a drummer. I was a, uh, grew up with musicians and I was a drummer from cool. seven years old. You put the show together because this was a like, American masterpieces, so you wanted something like that was like, important to American culture. Like, what do you feel like uh, is dance and like particularly taps relevance to like American art and culture? Or just like you don't have to like answer it fully, but like, no, 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 I'm with you. You know what it really does? Tap dance really celebrates the uh, improvisational individual culture of Americans. You know, we cool. share that with Canadians as well, the freedom that we enjoy and love. Yeah. And the freedom that we fought so hard to get that so many people didn't have. Mm-hmm. And the people didn't have it being mostly, you know, our, our I say African Americans, but yeah. we're treated well, like jazz. Americans. The whole, yeah. the whole culture of jazz and blues and tap dance all came from that same place Sweet. of... of, of your own voice being heard. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, totally. You know, it's really your own voice being heard, and then that culture moved into, um, a white America that celebrated in movies and all that, and then that's when everybody saw it. But actually, the real thing goes back to the blues and the improvisational culture of the second act more than even the first act. But we all remember, if you remember anything, you remember Shirley Temple. And you remember Fred Astaire. And, you know, again, it was celebrating American culture, but it's really showing you the depth of the actual jazz culture and tap culture. You know, when you look at any percussive footwork, you can go back so... Yeah. You can go back so far. It's a human... It's human... And the thing that distinguishes American tap dance from, and they're very different from clogging, from Irish step dance, from all of that, yeah. is the music. 
the structure of the music and the actual physical footwork. But what you're doing, the spirit of it, can be very similar. But a big difference, like if you look at Irish step dancing and clog dancing, it's all mm. about structure. Yeah. And original original tap dance is about improvisation. Yeah. Big difference. Totally. And a lot like our swing culture, swing dance culture. Do we know uh, how old? Ta- it was called tap dance the first time in 1908. Right. And metal started showing up the turn of the century. If you really had, you can go all the way back, and it just depends metal? on when you want to metal on the bottom of our feet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And uh, it's just when you want to make it official. Yeah. Right. Because uh, let, uh, let's put it this way: a lot of people will say American tap dance and tap dance um, because of jazz. Yeah. All right. So that's what makes it different. Jazz. So you go. Well, it, was it? tap dance when jazz was invented or did that come because it was already there so it just depends on how you're thinking Uh, okay i only have one more question uh dancing in texas is there a big dance community in texas there is a big dance community in texas and one thing that i wanted to really share with everybody during the curtain uh speech that we we're so proud of and i always say it normally and for whatever reason because Mm -hmm. we're sponsored by a tap dance festival i didn't think about it Mm -hmm. tapestry is a full-time professional dance company yeah and we're the only company in North America that specializes in tap dance that really? rehearses. The only really? one. Now, there's groups wow. that get together and they do some yep. show or they do some tap. Yeah. But right, we specialize All in tap time. dance. We took this show yeah. with a few more dancers because China wanted it that way. We toured, the sh- uh, sh- we toured China for five weeks with the show on much bigger stages. Whoa. So every, every time, we have moving lights and everything with the show that we yeah. couldn't do in this yeah. theater. But I'm not going to tell you what you're missing. <laughs> Why should I tell you what you're not doing? It's like, this is a bigger show, Baba. And, you know, we did the best we could in here. And if you hadn't right. seen it, it was my, hopefully it was amazing. Oh, it, was it was absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah, so um, that... The last time we did this show was in January. That We've done a brand new show called April Fool's since then, in April. We've done a Soul to Soul Festival. We have not been on stage together <laughs> doing this. Sweet. Now, it gets wow. better since mid-January. Get, Get out. out. No, no, wait. Now, listen, listen. We all came together and got here yesterday. No. Oh, well, congratulations on your first arts report. Yay. Um, who was the gentleman that we heard with you there? That was my friend, Paul Anthony. <laughs> Paul likes getting involved. Paul did like getting involved. And then after the interview, uh, Asia told Paul that she liked him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Bringing people together at the Arts Report. Love connection. Mm-hmm. And at the JCC, too. Um, I wanted to say that I really enjoyed the show, and the dancers were really skilled, and they were clearly stoked to be performing, and they were very professional. However, I felt that in terms of improvisation, which is uh, like a point of tap that ACS stressed in the interview, the show was lacking as it was mostly all based off of uh, Hollywood choreography. So I felt that it didn't live up to her expectations. Um, But seeing as it was sponsored by the National Endowment for the Arts, it lived up to my expectations. Snap. Um, do you think that that maybe uh, had something to do with the fact that they just came together after a long time off? Or why do you think that it wasn't didn't well, have that spark you wanted? Nah, yeah. I mean, it was a professional show. So, I mean, like, they perform all the time. So, I mean, like, thinking of, like, oh, like, why would a professional touring company do anything improvisational when that's just, like, like trained dancers train eight hours a day? Like, they don't have any time or mind space left, I guess, for improvisation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so 
Do you? Uh, th- that was an American company touring. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the Vancouver International Tap Dance Festival uh, features all sorts of people from around the world, and uh, they also have uh, performances and master classes from Canadians and uh, repertoire work from uh, local people as well. So that's all over for this year. But I, I really wanted to send someone along and see. Like th- the funny thing is about tap dance is that. It could be extremely exciting or completely boring, and I would not be surprised either way. So this one didn't turn out as well as you expected. But you go to dance a lot, though, so you're kind of... Whenever I get a chance. It's not so popular in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, we'll get you on some dance report and beats. Sweet. (laughs) Thank you so much, Emma. Bye, Megan. All right, we are going to take a a brief break, and when we get back, we will uh, talk to... The Spectral Theater. Thank you so much to Emma and uh, Asia for joining us on the Arts Report, and hopefully we'll hear more from them soon. I thought I would leave this segment uh, just before commercial with a little bit from Travis Knight's who was last year. And what I found really funny is that when you're listening to this, you can hear someone really getting into it who's filming. Um, But the nice thing about TAP is that it's actually more audio interesting than visual. So you guys can enjoy at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sentimental mood. soundtrack to your life, perhaps a song from a film or a tune from TV. My name is Gap. Exploding Head Movies is here to give you sounds from the cinema, along with the songs that will be defining your future, and those forgotten classics that need a little rescue. Monday, 7.30 to 9 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. On Saturday, September 8th, join Vancouver Co-op Radio at the Wise Hall 
for our 100.5 FM frequency change party. The Wise Hall and Lounge, located at 1882 Adenac Street, has a vintage performance hall upstairs and a cozy lounge bar downstairs. This night of live music includes performances by Murray Porter, The O'Wells, and Jasper Sloan Yip. 2012 Juno Award winner Murray Porter tells the Aboriginal side of history with a mix of country, groovy blues rhythms, and humor. The O'Wells play a unique brand of energetic indie pop. They've been known to turn an apathetic concert goer into a regular 1930s swing kid. Jasper Sloan Yip's indie folk stylings tell the story of an introverted, existential East Vancouver musician. His tenor vibrato, breathless whisper, and soulful guitar exercise your heart and get your legs dancing. I wander these streets with my head in my hands. The Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM Frequency Change Party, Saturday, September 8th at the Wise Hall. For more information, please go to www.coopradio.org. fiction but that's how it started horror and sci-fi the late night double feature at spectral theater uh, located in the downtown east side spectral theaters late night double feature has been an institution down there for almost 10 years they'll be celebrating their 10 year anniversaries anniversary this later this month uh, and uh, no, actually, sorry, in, Octo- in October. Uh, so last week I went uh, along with my theater partner and we saw a late night double feature of Sam Hain, a cult detective written by Andrew Heron and directed by Matthew C. Siegel. And Bastards of Creation written by Michael Cope and directed by David Cost, who you will hear from in a moment. And this is the uh, fifth season of the Late Night Double Feature. And what they do is uh, they do two plays a month. Um, And this was actually a a very interesting theater-going experience. So their room, their space is um, a big, well, it's not big. It's a small black box, about 30, 40 people. 
And their shows were a uh, radio drama. So you got to watch people perform a radio drama. And they were all dressed up in their 1930s splendor. And it was really cute because they had their own characters on top of the characters that they were playing in Samhain, a cult detective. And Samhain's mission was to save uh, the world once again from the forces of darkness and it was a little bit dirty and it was very much uh, the classic uh, 1930s radio dramas um, with a horrific twist. It was quite funny and well acted um, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it and there were there was a whole setup with the rug, like rugs and chairs and like a little living room and the the old time mics and one of one of the most uh, fun aspects one of the most enjoyable aspects was the foley so if you're not familiar with this term it's basically the sound effects that people use uh, to kind of represent actions on radio and to watch them do that and actually improv that in a way that kind of forces the actors to uh, accommodate was really, really funny and entertaining. And uh, I will let, actually, the Simon C. Hussey, Des Hussey, and uh, David Klost are part of the core of Spectral Theatre. And after uh, the show, the first half of which was Sam Hain, a cult detective, and the second half was uh, Bastards of Creation, which is a uh, the transformation of Lucifer to Satan and the battle through the works of Western literature using quotes from Shakespeare, Aristotle, the Bible, and more with the stylings of Bertolt Brecht and Quentin Tarantino. So two shows. Uh, and David Kloss, Simon C. Hussey, and Des Hussey uh, join me in the dressing room after the show. And I wanted to learn a little bit about what makes spectral theater different Um the shows that I saw were, you know, a radio drama and a biblical account uh, with a lot of fake blood um, were based on classic themes and texts. Um, and even the late night double feature is a classic style. So, you know, what what does spectral theater bring to the table? And I think a lot of it uh, that we discussed was an approach to trying new things. I mean, two shows a month for three months is pretty difficult, um, but they are always open to trying new things and doing new approaches. So I'll give you a, a more thorough discussion of the shows after we hear from, uh, starting with David Quast. And uh, I, had the, I had the opportunity to run into these guys a couple of years ago and uh, became addicted. And now I'm, uh, I'm a, one of the artistic directors. And uh, I've, I've written, directed, I've acted uh, for Spectral. I, I got involved in theater about a decade, 12, 12 years ago or so. I've always written, always had that. But this was uh, the first time I walked in, I was like, this is a place. I, I wish I'd found this place when I first moved down here. <laughs> Um, do you have any, you know, roles so far with Spectral that are close to your heart or, you know, uh, roles yeah. you'd love to play? Yeah, uh, uh, a lot of them. There's always roles that you want to play. Some of the recent ones, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, Des directed a show uh, in spring called Tales from the Toadstool that was a bunch of kind of perverted mother goose. So it's always fun when you get to play a bunch of different characters in the evening. And one of them was a psychotic doctor, which is always fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, just uh, that's part of the fun of, of coming to Spectral is is you know you're not always <laughs> the the roles aren't 
always the same romantic love interest or bad guy. You get the opportunity to play things like mutant mushroom or a, you know, um, a psychotic doctor or a, we haven't done a mutant mushroom. Well, I'm just trying, I'm trying to show. You. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, but you've, you've, you've been an undead pirate. Des has been a, a fairy, yeah. a twisted fairy. You know, to have that opportunity. And the other lovely, lovely. Here's the word. The other wonderful thing about Spectral that Des mentioned is the fact that uh, there's a somewhat open door policy. Like if if uh, if you're creative and you're passionate and you're energetic, there's an opportunity here to act, to write and have your work put up, to direct. Uh, it's it's not a uh, a closed off group. And yourself, Simon? I am one of the co-founders and co-artistic directors, along with uh, David Des uh, and the other artistic director who isn't here at the moment is Justin Clow. Uh, Was it this format the whole time? Um, or have things changed and developed? Yeah, it's really grown. I mean, we started out just doing purely horror and a little bit of sci-fi and then we just sort of expanded into more sci-fi and more horror and then we started looking at just the format of our shows which are like sort of one-act formats we mm -hmm. don't do we, we write in short form we haven't really done a lot of like full-scale productions we've done some but not a lot kind of our forte is small-scale like short story format um, and we encapsulate those into sort of like larger shows and we have a few of them like Dead Ends, Black Holes, uh, Tales from the Toadstool, uh, Grimm's Field Hotel, all these sort of larger plays that are billed as one play, but they're actually sort of a... Shared universe. Yeah, yeah shared universe, an anthology of uh, little, little one-acts within them. So. And does tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, after wasting a fortune in theater school, mm -hmm. uh, my rather eccentric friend Blake decided to write a series of scripts and we had so much fun uh, with that with the ridiculousness of uh, what we had created we realized that we were tired of auditioning for shows that we weren't excited about and we would rather write shows that we were excited about so we started writing scripts um, like Simon mentioned uh, short short scripts were definitely easier to approach and we found a wonderful format that we live in an age now where people like digestible chunks of popcorn entertainment. So, well, we, I think fundamentally we all come from an actor background. Mm -hmm. So actors are important. And the fact, uh, the fact that they don't always have an outlet or an, or an opportunity to express exotic uh, characters. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pat characters that are created. So we, when we, as writers and directors, we're trying to create exciting roles and ex exciting ex experimental characters. Um, and, and from a producer point of view, we understand this is all voluntary. Everyone here is doing this because they love it. So as long as everyone is having fun, essentially, and exploring something that they're really passionate about, that has always, for me personally, been the, the crux of every project I've worked on. What, is, what can each individual person find to inspire them and make them excited about this project? Um, is it the character? Is it the special effects? Is it, is it the scripts? You know, like, what, what is it that's pulling them forward, pulling, pulling something brilliant out of them? One of the things I love about this, this theater group is there's, there's a variety, sort of within our constraints. We'll have something serious or we'll have something like a, 
it can't be. So there's a bunch of different styles that we can play with. But in, in particular, these shows, um, that was, well, I, I, I know specifically with the second show, that was part of, of sort of the delivery was to have that rawness or the punk sort of the, uh, a bit of a bit of that edge to it. Uh, We're painfully aware of our limitations. And, and desperately try to work within them and, and expand them as much as possible, like fight against the, the boundaries. We, we don't have the greatest tech in the world. You know, we, could have, we wish we had a million lights, but we don't. You know, so you don't always get the best lighting scenario. You don't always get the best sound because uh, you're working within limited constraints. Uh, you know, so we, we're constantly striving to, to perfect and, and use what we have you know, and what we can find. We don't have... Yeah, we we're, yeah we're we're forced to our use we're forced to use our imagination. We and have it, to. Yeah, and, and and that's where I think a lot of the creative energy comes from. When you have to figure out to do what you can with what little you have, and that's where the the fun comes out. There was a show a couple of years ago. I was lucky enough to be a part of where we had the, the prow of a ship come on stage, and, and once again, like it wasn't. You know, it, it was just really creative done, creatively done in an incredibly effective way. And it was such a gift to be on stage and see the audience go, is that like, there's a ship. But it, it was simply done, uh, a simple idea with, with really well-crafted and, and incredibly effective. And that's, that's part of it. Sometimes the most important uh, commodity is creativity. You know, if you have $100 million, it's great, you can do fantastic stuff, but if you don't have the creativity, it's going to suck. If you have creativity, you can come up with something fantastic on five bucks. So. Pointed lack of uh, pretension. And reverence for, for traditions uh, that have been established. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't uh, a respect for theater in general, but just trying to stir up... An, old paradigms, you know, and, and, and remix. I think, I think actually, to, to pick up on what you're saying, I think the, the traditions of theater were born of a passion for theater. And what we see, or what we saw when we started, was the tradition of theater minus the passion behind it. So you'd see a lot of really subpar enthusiasm on the stage, or just uh, an uninspired approach to it. Uh, it was just, it just didn't appeal to us. It was just didn't speak to us anymore. But we, we still had this sort of burning desire to do theater and to see theater that we, we loved. And so, rather than complaining about it, we decided to do something about it. So. Yes, when it comes to passion, Spectral Theater definitely did something about it. I talked a little bit about the first half of uh, Spectral Theater's event, the radio drama, which was a, a lot of fun and really well acted. And the second half as well, Bastards of Creation, was also uh, really well performed in many instances. There were a couple of really standout characters and, and funny bits, a lot of lust and sin and pride and fighting and swords. Nice suits, too. Um, what I would say about the second half is that as much as I think the idea of the late night double feature and spectral theater in general is completely lack of pretension, um, the second half was a little overwrought. I think that they probably excel more at genre, um, genre theater, and they probably excel at that because they probably are quite quirky and interesting and passionate and want to do something different. The second half was a little more classic, 
they really did try to make it different by you know coming up in the audience and there was a lot of uh, difference in terms of how it was produced in that way but the actual performance of it i'll just say that intensity is not the same as volume and when you are in the audience it is often quite distracting unless you do it you know it wasn't technically in the round so um i would definitely check out their next um their next event which is experiments 731 which will be a sci-fi event and caged lust in heat an homage to female prison films or girl prison films uh yeah i really enjoyed myself um I would just make sure that you are in the back row or you bring pants you don't want ruined because uh, it seems that things being projected are something to expect. I actually was talking with the stage manager and she said, yeah, we tend to uh, spill a lot of stuff. So um, please check that out if you're interested in, you know, something that's a little different and uh, you can get two stories for the price of one. Um They will be celebrating, as I mentioned, their 10 years uh, this fall in October with a party. It's going to have a roast, karaoke, stand-up, burlesque, and lots of drinking. So 10 years of blood, sweat, and beers at the Anza Club, and you can check them out on Facebook. Thank you so much to those guys, David Quas, Simon Hussey, and uh, Des Hussey for uh, joining us and telling us a little bit about what they want to bring back to theater. And that is our show for the evening. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Swarm. I always check them out at swarm.paarc.com. I'll be heading out to that this weekend, hopefully, and be able to pick up a few things. Fringe Fest. Please listen after the show to This Fringy Life. We'll also be reviewing shows uh, on CITR.ca and on the Arts Report starting this coming week. Fringe Fest starts tomorrow night. So I'm going to go to the Fringe for All tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Thank you to Shirley Nome, Emma Hendricks, Eric Reese Miller from The Only Animal, Simon C. Hussey, David Quast, and Des Hussey from Spectral Theatre. Please subscribe to our podcast at CITR.ca shows or on iTunes. Find us on Twitter and find us on Facebook. And uh, we are going to listen to new contributor, arts student exec, and all-around lovely human being, Nicole Kai, tell us a little bit about Perception. She spoke to uh, the uh, three productions at The Fringe about their shows in relationship to Perception. This is This Fringy Life, Episode 5, and stick around after Episode 5 for Episode 6, where Tristan Coster discusses life on the fringe. Please enjoy. Welcome to This Fringy Life special series on the Vancouver International Fringe Festival, brought to you by the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. In each episode, we choose a theme and use stories from the Fringe to explore that theme. My name is Nicole Kai, 
and I'll be your host for this Fringy Life episode five, perception. In this episode, we'll explore the many aspects and angles of perception and its aftermath. Oddity, a one-woman show by Tiffany Anderson, presents us with the strangeness of being constantly and painfully conscious of being watched by others. On the first day back, Rob Solano leads the way to find out more about a 14-year-old boy's decision to end his own life as a result of the darkness that he had perceived in his world. But first, director Brian Cochrane is here to talk about Home Free, a play written by Lanford Wilson in 1964, and the illusions or realities in which the main characters Lawrence and Joanne live. Lawrence are the are the two characters in Home Free.、Uh, they're a brother and sister.、Uh, to say that they have、uh, unique perceptions and perspectives、uh, of their world would probably be like an understatement. So they live together in this really cramped and tiny apartment with two imaginary friends. And I guess there's always throughout the play, as it unfolds, questions about perception as to whether or not they really believe in these imaginary people and. What parts of their lives are are 